just had a wonderful time this weekend. And, uh, and again, as I've said, we've had a wonderful year of what God is doing to celebrate this. And this is literally now the cherry on top. And so thank God. Amen. Let's give Pastor Morales a nice welcome as he comes. Amen. Praise God. Again, thank you for your faithfulness and those who made the time to be here with us. And uh, just so grateful. Amen. All the uh, fellowship that we've been able to have while we've been here. Uh, just a wonderful, wonderful time, meals with friends and loved ones. And uh, I even sent a picture with um, with uh, Jim and Barb to my parents. This is Carrie uh, Sullivan's uh, parents because they lived in Prescott for a time while the Sullivans were there. And uh, my mom used to call her mom. And so I sent a picture and said, I took a picture with Grams and Gramps. And uh, so my mom said, tell, tell mom I said hi. So that's a, the, all these connections, you know, it's such a wonderful thing, all that we are part of beyond just, uh, you know, uh, a fellowship partnership. There is this bonding in relationship and family. But Acts chapter 13, if you have your Bibles tonight. Acts chapter 13, Pastor Greg Mitchell has said of missionary Wes Neary, he's our missionary laboring in South Sudan, and Pastor Greg made this statement about him one day, how impressed he was with him. I'm very impressed with Wes Neary. Wes Neary was sent from a Prescott Bible conference into South Sudan, but he isn't from the Prescott congregation. Wes was saved in a small pioneer work in Phoenix, Arizona in 2007. He got saved in that work, was uh, uh, developed as a disciple. He was later sent out into ministry to pioneer another church in Arizona, but uh, eventually was redirected back to that Phoenix church. He sat under two other pastors in that church, and eventually he took over the church he was saved in. So now he's pastoring the church he was saved in, and God began to deal with Wes about Juba, South Sudan. See, Wes had started to have some South Sudanese that were refugees getting saved in his church there in Phoenix, and, and he would get these promptings of man going one day, being a missionary there, reaching the South Sudanese for Jesus. But at the same time, it just seemed so impossible. It seemed so far-fetched. It seemed beyond. And he would have these conversations with his wife and she would, she'd be like, yeah, Wes, that's, that's big vision, but you know, let's keep it where we're at. And in 2022, Pastor Greg preached at a conference. Think about this. Oh, seven, he gets saved. In this small work, eventually becomes the pastor of that small work. And in 2022, 
Pastor Greg was preaching at conference and said these words over the pulpit. Some of you might remember. Said, we need a couple to go to Juba, South Sudan. And Wes responded to that. God was dealing with him. God was revealing things to him. God was showing things uh, to him. God was inspiring him. I want to tell you, this is a reminder that God is involved in church planting. And that God develops men in a local church. God develops couples in a local church. And in our story that we're going to look at tonight, Barnabas and Saul are prepared in a local church and are eventually sent out from and by a local church. See, tonight we have, um, over the last few nights, I've been very deliberate and intentional about each and every service. As we're building, where do we start Thursday? On remembering. Let's take the time to remember. Let's take the time to look back. Now we're going to switch gears tonight in this final service and we're looking ahead. We're looking ahead to the next chapter, to the future. And what we're going to look at tonight uh, is what's going to carry us there. Acts 13 verses 1 through 4. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them and sent them off. So, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Let's look tonight at a sermon I've titled The Dignity of the Local Church. Let's talk firstly about local church preparation. Our story reminds us that long before pastoral ministry begins, long before any kind of ministry involvement begins, there is preparation that happens from a local church. Verse 1, now there were at the church at Antioch. Here this is pointing to a local church. This speaks of a specific location, a specific group of people. This speaks of local ministry. And here is where we pick up the story and find these two men named Barnabas and Saul. It's a local place where they are meeting. It is there that Saul, later renamed Paul, was able to develop and grow as a new Christian. I want to tell you, there is this idea in the church world that all churches, all churches should be in unity. That all churches are really just overall the family of God. But I want to tell you something, God wants you in a local church. God wants you planted in a local church. God wants you to plant roots in a congregation. God wants to develop you and to serve in ministry in that local church. To serve maybe one day in a leadership capacity from that local church. And that's what we see in this passage. 
Verse 1, it speaks of prophets and teachers. These are leadership ministries under the covering of a local church. It's here where Saul is able to develop his ear for the voice of God. How do you develop direction from God? How do you develop the ability to know what God wants you to do? It comes out of a relationship and a connection to a local body. Verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said... It was in that context of the local congregation. It was in the context of serving in that body in Antioch that Saul could hear from God about his future for ministry. So this story, it actually applies to us today. And this is the revelation that our founding pastor Pastor Wayman Mitchell came upon for our fellowship. He has called it over the years. uh, He called it the dignity of the local church. What that means is that everything a church needs, it's going to come from within that body. Everything it needs for ministry is going to come from within the body of that church. Everything they need for leadership is going to come from that body. Everything they need for uh, for musicians is going to come from that body. Everything they need uh, for disciples is going to come from that body. Teachers... And future, maybe Bible study leaders or follow-up directors or fill in the blank, it comes from within. Verse 2, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. See, pastors don't have to go outside of their congregation. Tonight, every person you saw on the platform... If it's you, if you're new to the, to the church or every person you see on the platform, every person that was ministering on this platform, every person that participated in the offering, it's not like they're here just for this one thing and then they go other places. No, this is where they're at. This is where they've planted their lives. This is where they've planted relationship. This is their local church. You don't have to go outside of it. Disciples don't have to go outside of their local church. To be raised up for what God has called you to do. Equipping, training, learning, and direction is found from this place. And see, this is what actually has enabled our fellowship to grow as it has. We've now passed the 3,000 church mark in our fellowship. 3,000 churches, 3,000 Potter's House churches like this one here all across the domestic United States in 130 different nations and counting. I think the other morning, Pastor Greg said we have 99 nations left to be in every nation in the world. That's so attainable. 99 nations could happen in one year. And this is what has enabled us. We believe in the dignity of the local church. But sometimes pastors, sometimes disciples, sometimes believers can miss 
this truth. They think they have to look outside of the local church. Disciples can think, I need to look outside of my local church. I need a bigger church. I need a different church. Missing the value of this season of preparation. Missing the value of this season of of being cultivated and trained. We've had uh, some men come back for redirection in Prescott over the last uh, four years. And some of them in this new season had have commented or vocalized at one point or another. I wish I would have paid more attention. I wish I would have asked more questions. I wish I would have taken this time more serious. Pastors can think, I need more men. I need a bigger church. I need more fan, uh, finances. I need, a, I need different men. But the training ground is local. The training ground is here. I had a pastor come just recently into the Prescott Church. He's running a, a, a Romanian, small Romanian church group. And he came because he just, he said, I've seen the building and I spent some time speaking with him. And he said, I need you. I need you to come and preach at my church and, and be, we could be like this. And, and I said, no, that's not how we operate. I don't go and preach at other churches that are not my fellowship. I don't reach out, but that's so common in the church world. But no, I, and I said, everything you need, you have. You just got to cultivate it. You just got to bring it out. And that's what we see in our story. It is the reminder that everything we need to prepare and send men out will be found in the local church. Local church preparation. If you're a new believer, you want to grow in God, connect yourself to the local church. If you are a man that wants to do something great for God, you must connect yourself to the local church. And when I say connect to the local church, it means you bind yourself to this work. This is the place where you give. This is the place where you receive counsel. This is the place where the man that God has ordained to this pulpit is the man that you are going to follow and connect your life to. Let's think secondly about local church sending. Because our story teaches us that sending also comes... From within a local church body. As I said, here's Pastor Greg. I'm very impressed with Wes Neary. He's getting things done just in the time he's been there. There's already a church that has formed. We've already built a building for him. There's just so many. He's a mover. Things are happening. But he was not developed in Prescott, but a different local church. Verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me. Barnabas and Saul, for the work which I have called them. Set apart from the local church at Antioch to another place. Another place that I have called them to go. See, this was done as a church. This was accomplished as a congregation. That they are joining themselves to facilitate the work of God. Verse 3, then after fasting and praying, they, that's the church, laid hands on them, Barnabas and Saul, and sent them off. It was a pastor that sent them. It was a congregation that released them. 
And this is where the pattern comes for you and I, for Christian fellowship ministries. Is local churches prepare men, local churches prepare couples, and then release them into God's further work. And it's not just up to the conference centers to do that. It's not just up to, for this area, Cape Cod, Massachusetts. It's not up to, uh, for you uh, and your mother church, the Prescott congregation. It's not just up to any other conference center. It's up to the daughter churches, the granddaughter churches, and even now the great-granddaughter churches to equip workers and release them into ministry. See, if we're going to continue to grow as a fellowship, if we're going to continue to reach these cities, these last 99 nations that are untouched, I'm telling you right now, it's going to come from local churches being willing to send and release couples. Verse 4, they went down to Seleucia and from there sailed to Cyprus, away from Antioch to another city. And this is what has been done in our fellowship. You guys have been following the memorial stones. I'm not fully sure what lesson you're on, but maybe you've already heard the name by this point in the series of Ron Burrell. Ron Burrell was a young 19-year-old hippie that got saved in Prescott, Arizona. He got radically converted from a life of immorality and drugs. He was involved in a band and they were touring uh, that area at the time. But God got a hold of his heart. And as he was brought into, into the fellowship of Prescott, Arizona at that time, nothing, there was no fellowship. It was the Potter's, it was Foursquare. The church there impressed that Pastor Wayman was ministering in. And so here he gets saved. He gets developed as a disciple. And from a local church that he was saved in, from Prescott, Arizona, he was discipled and sent out into Wickenburg, Arizona. Another time, smaller than Prescott at that time even. But you know what? Wickenburg, Arizona just celebrated in October 50 years. 50 years. And Ron Burrell was there for that 50 year anniversary playing some rock music, singing about Jesus, testifying about Jesus from that first church to now past the 3000 mark. This pattern that we're looking at in our scripture, it's biblical. This pattern is tested, and this pattern must continue. See, the danger, though, is that pastors or churches would disqualify themselves from this. Oh, no, we could never do that because we are too small. We could never do that because we don't have this or that. You know, we, we, we couldn't release them. We would miss them. Oh, no, we couldn't do that. We would lose uh, 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 our best uh, and, uh, and our finest. We can't uh, afford. No, this must be at work in the heart of a congregation, heart of an in- individual, to release into the plans 
and purposes of God. I remember being a new pastor in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And we had gone to Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's where our area leader uh, was and where they hosted the pioneer rallies in that region. And we go down to Albuquerque and, you know, just seeing Pastor Greg, he's ministering at that uh, rally. I'm excited to see him. And we're just conversating. It's it's myself. It's Pastor Tim Miller, another Prescott disciple, my brother-in-law. Uh, you know, just we're, we're there with some other men uh, that it came in from Prescott. But we're t- talking and uh, I, I get in this conversation with Pastor Greg and he looks at me and he says, Jesse. You need to plant churches. And I'm, I'm just like, right, yeah, of course. Um, just got here, but yes. Yes, we'll do that. But he was, what he was doing, he was planting something in me. He was reminding me of the purpose and the reason that I was sent. I wasn't sent to continue just continue the work in Santa Fe. I wasn't sent to just grow the work in Santa Fe. I was sent to make disciples and plant churches. That was the point. And we did. We, we made disciples. And I remember we were intending, we were talking of planting a church in July of 2015. But as I said this afternoon at lunch, but we were called in April of 2015. I remember talking to the taking over pastor. Look, this is who we were thinking about. This has been something that's been discussed, of course. Now in a season of transition uh, with with a new pastor coming in, may not be the thing, whatever. But it was there. It was discussed. It was on the radar. Disciples were made and a church looking to be planted. We come here then in Rochester. I was here about one year and we went down to the Jacksonville, North Carolina conference, made the 12 hour trek down because my pastor was going to be preaching there. And I remember talking with him in that Jacksonville, North Carolina conference, the atmosphere there. If I remember, I was like the Thursday night he was going to be preaching and we're just before the service. And he said, Jesse, You need to plant churches. I was stirred. I was convicted. I was a little offended. Just the season and everything and, but I was determined. I was determined. That's what I was sent to do and we reached a point And you would remember where I felt it was time to plant the church. God had, had just been moving and it was like, this is, this is the time. This is the season. And so Cape Cod conference came and Pastor Greg was preaching this Cape Cod conference. It was, it was awesome. So, you know, this is on my radar. It was March or April, and uh, I go with Pastor Greg to lunch. We go to this Thai restaurant there on the Cape, and, uh, and uh, you know, we're, we're chatting and this and that. And I said, Pastor, I do have some questions I want to ask you. And he said, absolutely, yeah. So I pull up this list, and I wish I would have kept that list. I had 12 questions written down, 12 questions about church planting. 
And they all had to do with Rochester. It wasn't just general questions of church planting. It was specific for Rochester. And so I asked the first question, and yeah, you know, he answers, yeah, you know, yeah, and so I asked the second question, uh, yeah, you know, this, this, and this, and you know, blah, 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 and it's like, okay. So I get to the third question, and he knows where this is going. And he's like, puts his fork down, he wipes his mouth, and he says, Jesse, just plant the church. And I said, okay. That was March, April, you know, Cape Conference Falls. And that July, we planted that first church. Because that is why we've been sent. That is why our fellowship churches, that's the heartbeat of it. It's what every church can be. It's what every church should be. A church where lives are changed, where disciples are made, where churches are planted. Antioch, in our story, the church at Antioch released Paul and Barnabas into ministry. Let's close. Let's think of Holy Ghost involvement. The final lesson of our story is that God is involved in this. God is involved in this. Verse 2, and the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. The Holy Spirit said it. That's God. See, God is involved in this vision. Verse 4, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit. That's reinforcing this, sent by God, sent with God, an active power at work in the sending of men into ministry. And this is so important to know because it reminds us, number one, it's not just on us. God is going to help us accomplish this. God wants this to happen. I made a statement in one of the sermons this week. If you look at the history of this congregation, God has intended, God has, has made a decision. A church will be here. A church will exist here. A fellowship church will be at work here. God has decided that. Secondly, God will help those who are going. Matthew 28, 20. And surely I am with you always. To the very end of the age. This is Jesus. He's speaking to his disciples, sending them out. But he says, but I will be with you. God will help those who are going. Thirdly, God will help the sending church. You know, it's amazing that he will fill it with more people. He will raise up more disciples. Right? When we launched our first church, we launched our biggest family. But God has brought in other families. God always fills those areas and others have been risen up. Others have stepped into those positions in those places. God will help the sending church. Fourthly, God will supply his power. Here it specifically names the person of the Holy Ghost. That is supernatural power attached to this job, to this work. 
We don't just go with a message. We don't just go with zeal or knowledge or experience or even just with people's skills. We go with power. We go with a supernatural dimension. Luke 9, 1 and 2. When Jesus called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Here he sends them with the message of the gospel, but he also sends them with the power to see the miraculous. God will supply supernatural power. And that's what, again, that has happened this last year. In this new season of this congregation. In the new season of where you are at. In the new season of what God is going to continue to do. This pattern must be at the forefront The Rochester Church has become a church planting church. And I believe it will absolutely continue to plant churches. And I would say to every believer, every uh, uh, person here tonight, doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter how long you've been saved, doesn't matter, uh, 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 you know, all, all of these different factors, but God let our church participate in this. That would be something to pray for. God, let us continue to participate in this, uh, in the, uh, that our future Right. It's not going to be distracted with other things. It's not going to be distracted uh, 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 with things outside of this vision of this heart. That it will continue. That it will continue. You know, you think of the men that have been sent thus far. Paul Van Epps, his wife, Claire. Michael Harris, his wife Mary. Matt Stoll and his wife Sarah and their family. You know, those men, they were prepared in this local body. They were developed and cultivated in this local body. You know, it was those men that this local church has sent and supported. And continues to support in many ways. With outreaches. I was very encouraged even just sitting with Logan and Steph and hearing, you know, he's taking Ebenezer to all the baby churches from this congregation. That's still investment, support, joining together. When it's a local church that is sending and there's Holy Ghost involvement. You know, when Pastor Eric Strutz came, I think Pastor coined him the starter. He came with a vision. And immediately, when you talk to Pastor Strutz about Rochester, it's like this this excitement comes upon him. You know, he's weathered some storms in life. There's some there's some years under his belt, but man, it's like he link, thinks back and he talks about disciples. He talks about this quick work and these young men that were street preaching with him, evangelizing with him, and it's like that was a reference point for him. You hear it. And immediately there was vision. 
Jeff Day, Pastor Jeff Day came and I think Pastor uh, uh, coined him, you know, he brought a maturity to the church. He established into the foundation the spirit of our fellowship into this Rochester congregation. And even when hell has tried to burn things down to the ground, the foundation was laid. Could always rebuild on it. You know, when I planted the first church here in Rochester, it was my first time having the privilege to have invested into someone and plant that work. And it had been many, many, many years since a church was planted from Rochester. But then came the second church. Pastor Sullivan launching Matt and Sarah, a third church. That's what it's about. There's dignity in that. And that is the future. This place, I'm telling you, it's, there's so much potential. Potential in this body of believers. Potential in this building. God has opened a door. God has brought a new season. I can see, man, you know, something I learned from my pastor is seeing potentials, having vision. I can see this auditorium filled. I can see having to look up and address the crowd in the balcony. I can see it. And it's not just hype and it's not just talk. There's an urgency. There's an urgency. And I rejoice with you. But let this be the vision. Lives changed. Let's not lose a heart for the lost. Disciples made. Let's not lose a heart for the development and training of future workers. Churches planted. Let's not lose the vision. That three down and 21 more to go for a conference center. Why not? Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed tonight. Thank you for your faithfulness, your attentiveness and attention here. Always a privilege to preach the gospel. The dignity of the local church. Tonight, before we pray together, I wonder how many would there be? You're not saved. You're not born again. You're not right with God. You're unsaved or you're backslidden, but you want to get your heart right tonight. I want to help you to pray and invite Jesus Christ into your heart. Invite Jesus Christ into your life. Would you do me one favor? Would you lift your hand? Pastor Sullivan, Pastor Jesse, that's me tonight. I'm not saved. I'm not right with God, but I want to be. I'm backslidden. At one time, I knew the love of God. At one time, I was right with God, but tonight I am far from God. You want to lift your hand and pray tonight. Jesus can set you free. Amen. Amen. Speaking to believers then. Speaking to the congregation. It's not a, doesn't matter to me how long or short you've been saved. What we all need is a local church. What we all need is a local church where we plant our lives and say, here is where God has brought me. Here is where God has called me. And here is where I'm going to allow him to unfold his will in my life. That's a decision that must be made. Here in this work and in this body is where I'm going to serve God and the man that God has called and appointed, the shepherd that God has called and appointed, 
that is placed in the office of pastor and overseer of this congregation. I'll tell you, that is sacred. That is sacred when God makes that decision. And it is a decision you must say, I am submitting to God's decision. I am submitting myself to God's choice. I am submitting because I need a local church. I need a shepherd. I need an overseer over my soul. And that is going to hear where God has placed me at this time. Pastor Sullivan, he is my pastor. He is my overseer. That's a decision that must be made here is where I'm going to develop in my ministry. Here is where I'm going to develop as a disciple. Here is where I'm going to give tithes and offerings. Malachi chapter 3. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is spiritual representation. Who prays for you when you need prayer? Who counsels you when you need counsel? It's at that local church. It's from that local church. There is dignity here and the future, the future of this work and your connection to it. This altar is prepared to say, God, I'm aligning myself. I'm committing myself. I'm binding myself to this work. I'm getting behind it. I'm getting behind the vision. I'm going to do my part, whatever that looks like. That's the beauty of a body is every person serves a different function. Every person meets a different need. Every person has unique abilities and talents that are used for the purposes of God. Amen. Let's stand together. These altars are open. We're going to pray for just a few things here in a moment. But if God has spoken to you, if God has dealt with you, this altar is prepared. God, I am making a commitment. I am renewing my vow. Here is where you've called me. Here is where I'm going to be. Here is where I'm going to serve you. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's worship together. Sing a chorus. There is power. It's in the name of Jesus. Jesus 
every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. Father God, you are faithful and holy.